This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Tuesday, November 13th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Alley. Here's today's headlines. U.S. and EU make headway on trade pact. China ready to negotiate and soybeans are piling up. The U.S. and EU making headway on a trade pact. The U.S. and European Union continued last week to pave the way for talks on a free trade agreement and EU Trade Commissioner Cecilia Malmstrom scheduled to sit down with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer tomorrow in what could be a key meeting. USTR officials say there is no set agenda on what the top two trade officials will discuss, but call the talks a follow-up to a September meeting in Brussels. Back in September, USTR predicted that a November meeting between Lighthizer and Malmstrom would be used to finalize work on identifying and reducing tariff and non-tariff barriers. U.S. and EU negotiators are aiming for some kind of preliminary bare-bones trade pact by the end of the year that likely will not include extremely complex and challenging agricultural issues. That according to USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agriculture Affairs, Ted McKinney. I think there's this desire for addressing what they and we call the low-hanging fruit between now and December, McKinney told AgriPulse in the latest installment of Open Mic. But it absolutely has to be with a commitment that we're going to get a more comprehensive agreement that includes ag. It won't be easy, McKinney stressed, especially after the European Court of Justice recently ruled that the strict regulations on traditional biotechnology should also apply to gene editing, a decision that puts the trade bloc in direct opposition to the U.S. McKinney said, I think they've learned that they can't just buy a lot of soybeans and corn and feel like they've done their job. No way. China ready to negotiate. Chinese Politburo member Yang Chai delivered the latest signal from Beijing that China is ready and willing to seriously negotiate an end to the trade hostilities with the U.S. A trade war, instead of leading to any solution, will only end up hurting both sides and the global economy, Yang said in a statement after meeting Friday with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Secretary of Defense James Mattis. The door to negotiation remains open. And let's not forget how our two sides have successfully navigated through previous rough patches in our economic and trade relations. I hope that our economic teams will follow through on what the president agreed upon in their November the 1st phone call, carrying out equal-footed and good-faith dialogue and communication, and before long, find a mutually acceptable solution. The U.S. is also looking to negotiate, starting with planned meetings between President Donald Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping later this month in Argentina at the G20 summit. We're trying to be prepared for the G20 meeting, and hopefully out of that can come the beginnings of a resolution for the trade issues. That the word of U.S. Ambassador to China, Terry Branstead, as he spoke with AgriPulse last week. He said, my hope is that we can develop a framework that can lead to an agreement. Undersecretary McKinney said both countries are anxious to end the trade war that has resulted in stiff Chinese tariffs on virtually all farm commodity exports to China, but cautioned that a final resolution is not imminent. McKinney said, I believe that there is recognition on both sides that this needs to start coming to an end. 
It's not days. It's not weeks. But I hope it's not a year or years. Soybeans are piling up. America's soybean farmers, especially those in the upper Midwest, are also hoping the U.S. and China can work out their trade differences. China has virtually stopped importing U.S. soybeans, and they're piling up in storage with no place to go as elevators begin to refuse to take them, closing off the traditional shipping route through the Pacific Northwest. American Soybean Association President John Hostoffer told AgriPulse, We've got to get this tariff situation resolved with China because that's where most of the soybeans out of the Pacific Northwest went, and so it's backed up things and made it tough for those guys up there. They've stored every bean they can. There's piles of beans outside, which is only going to lead to some kind of quality problems. Cattle thief gets five-year sentence. An investigator's hunch, a high-speed pursuit, a car crash, daring escape, and then a marathon manhunt and helicopters. It had all the makings of a Hollywood film, except maybe a one-armed man, and it ended this month with conviction of a serial cattle thief who was involved with the theft of more than 70 head of cattle. Special Rangers for the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association first suspected foul play back in December 2014 after investigating a suspicious load of cattle delivered to a livestock auction house. Bradley Wayne Guthrie of North Little Rock, Arkansas, had dropped off those cattle and fled after seeing the rangers arrive. That led to the high-speed chase and subsequent manhunt. Guthrie admitted to the crimes and said he specifically targeted cattle without brands. CRP changes permitted despite expiration. USDA's Farm Service Agency is going to start allowing landowners to make modifications in their conservation reserve program contracts, even though the 14 Farm Bill expired September 30th. FSA still doesn't have the authority to make CRP contract modifications that would result in an increase in acreage, but other contracts can be revised if they were approved before September 30th, that according to an advisory to state and county offices. There are several reasons to make such modifications, including when a contract holder has died or shares in a farm that have been sold or because management practices are being changed. Bankers to farmers, get creative. Producers need to become innovators in order to survive in the current farming environment. Ag lenders were told at the annual Agricultural Bankers Association Conference in Omaha on Monday. That was just one aspect of an overall message that might have been characterized as, this is not your father's farm economy. Longtime ag economics professor David Cole of Virginia Tech said a Kentucky lender told him that the most difficulty he's had are with producers with 10 years or more of experience. Cole said the younger ones are more innovative and adaptive. They're entrepreneurs and have local sources of income. Producers need to step up their game, such as by becoming a better marketer, said Doug Johnson, director of sales management at Moody's Analytics. He said they can't be experts in everything. They have to understand it's no longer the 70s CEO mentality where you make all the decisions. And Land Lake CEO Beth Ford, Monday's luncheon speaker, said companies and producers need to realize that if something's not working, kill it. Sometimes people get too enamored in their own ideals, she said. What we have to be willing to do is cut things off when they're not working. The conference continues through tomorrow. 
About 650 bankers and other attendees are in Omaha. USDA honors employees slain in Afghanistan. If you're in D.C. today, you can stop by USDA headquarters at 2 p.m. to see Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue plant a tree in honor of Tom Stefani, a Forest Service employee killed in Afghanistan in 2007. Here's today's He Wrote It. You'd have thought someone had suggested moving the Washington Monument. That was Mitch Daniels, former governor of Indiana and current president of Purdue University, in an op-ed published by the Washington Post, bemoaning the sharp criticism of USDA's plan to move the Economic Research Service and National Institute of Food and Agriculture outside of Washington, D.C. Well, that's Daybreak for this Tuesday, November 13th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Nelly.